episode 58. You fucking piece of art, you. Introducing Boo Miller on the BTS Creative Academy podcast, Uncut. You know, I'd like, I've got dreams of how I'd like to upgrade this and make this this bigger. Um, But at the moment, the iPhone's... Whatever it suffices. I use my iPhone for all my tapes. Mm-hmm. And I just, there's no point in like, spending money on an expensive camera when it's... Yeah. Yeah, it does a job. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's get, let's, let's get into this then. Yeah. So, uh, thank you very much for joining me, Boo. Boo Miller. Actress. Yeah. Yes. Actor. Actress, I dancer. Mean, I, I, I do dance, but I mainly say like I'm an actor who can dance if it's required for the, right, okay. for the role. I don't, like, I haven't been professionally trained in dance. I did... Mm-hmm. Um, some classes locally with the same um, dance tutor as Luna, actually, KBD Dance. Okay. Um, and so I have experience in like contemporary and commercial, um, but less so in the ballet, the more like technical dancing side of things. So, yeah, I always say I'm an actor who can dance You're rather than actor. claiming that <laughs> I'm a dancer. But I do love dancing very Great. much. <laughs> what I like to do at the very beginning of these, I've got like this um, tradition or routine that's come up in oh, these. Oh yeah. Do you know? Like, do you know it, this? If you yeah, people. <laughs> and like, I, I was almost like, let's just get into the conversation. But then I did. I did one of these the other night with a friend, and he was like, "We haven't done the clap." Oh. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, sorry." I can't believe you feel robbed. Of <laughs> yeah. The clap. So people are getting upset if we don't do the clap. So, uh, so uh, I think everyone knows the reason for the clap yeah. is because I can't afford a clappable. <laughs> Uh, this um, is more organic anyway exactly exactly so um we'll go uh one two three clap okay okay one two three sweet that was, that was nice and in sync so um yeah so now it begins right great, great now now the podcast begins <laughs> <laughs> so um so what's happening in your life at the moment then at the moment i'm very kind of interested in improv nice um yeah i, I kind of have an interest in comedy in particular, doing comedy acting. And then um, I think about two years ago, my mum's best friend, she had a spare ticket to go and see Ostentatious at the West End. Okay. Um, And I came along not really knowing what it was going to be about and I was just absolutely blown away by... I'm going to sound really dumb now. I don't don't know Ostentatious. So Ostentatious, it's a long-form improv show And they essentially get a title from the audience. They, you know, kind of had this monologue at the the beginning where um, one um, member of the cast comes on stage and chats with the audience, gets them warmed up. But it's all in the style of Jane Austen novels. Mm -hmm. And so you get maybe two pitches from the audience about titles for the show. And then the third one is always the one that they pick and they just have the title and then they just go and improvise a Mm -hmm. whole play and I don't think I've ever laughed more. I've gone, I've gone to see it three times now because you can... Because it's a different experience Yeah, it's every different time. every single time. Wow. So the first time I went with my mum's best friend, then I went with my partner, and then I went with my partner and his sister and his, sitner's, um, his sister's partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just so inspiring to see how they can just make it up. And it was so eloquent and so tangible and everything was hilarious. And I was like, I want to be able to do that. But it did feel a little bit out of reach because I'd had some like, you know, when you're an actor, you do improv stuff anyway, mm-hmm. um, you know, playing improv games and stuff. But um, I didn't really know like the technical side of it and the technicalities behind it and how you can 
you know, follow some kind of sets of rules to make improv come to life. So I started um, studying with um, Hoopla Improv okay. um, last year. And the thing I love about Hoopla is they let you come on no matter what level you're at. They're not mm. one of these schools that you have to start from the bottom and they rinse you of all your money. Is it, <laughs> is it a little bit like Lambda? Um, no, I'd say it's... So that they have... I don't know how... I think they have four levels officially and the first mm. one's like basic, very short form improv. I think the second one is like touching on characters and how to structure a scene. And the third course is about scene study. So that's where I started because I kind of thought... I have some knowledge about the rest of it. So I emailed, um, yeah, Hoopla and just asked where I would kind of slot in mm-hmm. and um, went along to that class and it was like an eight-week course and then at the end of the course you get to do a show in front right. of an audience. That was terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, I didn't think I was going to make the show because I was on a job mm-hmm. and I literally like ran all the way from West to East London <laughs> to get to this improv <laughs> show. And I made it on for the second half, which was when my group was going on because we get split in half as a class. Mm-hmm. And it was just so, so fun. And then, so the one I've been doing at the moment is long form. So they're long forms, they're level four. And I've got my show next week. So that's Ooh, what wonderful. I'm up so where, to So where would the show be? The show's at um, The Miller. And it's, it's a really lovely venue that um, I think Hoopla have ownership of. The, it's like a pub, basically. Mm-hmm. And the top level of it is just a little theatre. Nice. Um, and so that's where I did my level three show. It's where I'm doing the show next week. And then I actually auditioned to be part of a house team for Hoopla mm-hmm. um, on Monday this week. And I got my email last night at 10 p.m. to say I made it onto one of the house teams. Oh, so, congratulations. So what does, what does that mean for you then? So that me- we're in a team called Newbies where mm-hmm. they, they kind of give auditions for, I think there was like 20 of us in our group and there were about four groups. And then they cast 16 people in each um, house team. So it, meant, it essentially means that you get the opportunity to perform improv fortnightly mm-hmm. at the Miller. And you kind of get a rehearsal. I think rehearsals are like four till six. And then you, you do the show at seven, which I just, I just feel so grateful to have. You, you know, when you make your hobby your job. Yes. Yeah. And then it doesn't, it's still fun and you still love it. But there is this There's a different element feeling, yeah. of dread for like oh what if I don't get an acting job so I feel like I've really discovered a new hobby within acting again through mm-hmm. improv because it's still it's still acting and it's still connected in some way but it is just something new that yes, I've discovered yeah. in the last two years and, and, and as, in love with a, it. as an actor as well I was so fearful of improvisation yeah. for a very long time it is I think I think um, it all depends on kind of where you've been brought up as a as an actor, and a lot of people come up through maybe drama groups and through theatre schools where it's all very structured. Yeah. Um, and then so when you come away from that structure, and even as you go into like TV and film, as you go into other theatre things, most things you do are going to be quite structured. Mm. And so the the more you're doing that, to go outside of that and to be up on the stage and to be free. Yeah. Is is scary, isn't it? Yeah. Have you done much improv? Before? I've done a little bit. I've been to yeah. I've been to a, a, a drama class and and done some improvisation. Yeah. Um, and as a as a director, I very much try and pull the improvisation out of people. I try and go to that place of freedom. Yeah. Well, this has um, also been really beneficial for that because if mm. you're in an audition and someone's like improv, if you asked yes. me to do that two years ago, I would have been like. Mm-hmm. Ah. 
okay, but I'm scared. And yeah. now I do feel like I'm a lot well, more Well, as, as a director, I want to see that an actor can play. Yeah. And not just follow the script. I want to see that they're going to bring something to the part. Yeah. And I think improvisation shows that. Mm-hmm. Improvisation, being being able to immerse yourself and being free in the moment is is a skill, mm. isn't it? It is. I think when you're able to improv around a script as well, that's like a completely different skill. I did a job, um, where did we film? I think it was filmed in 2022. Mm-hmm. And the director's style was, we're going to do it word perfect, and then you are going to go completely whatever you want. And we did this for every single scene. Mm-hmm. And because I hadn't done my improv training by that point, I found found myself like the night before, because I, I actually had a friend who's done it and his shoot day was a couple of days before mine. And he gave me some really good advice and was like, just so you know, you're going to get asked to improv. So I, I, I sat in front of my hotel mirror and I was like practicing what I was gonna say if, you know, or when we did these improvisations. Mm-hmm. And it, it was fine in, in the moment, but I feel like looking back on it, when you prep for improv, that's when you go wrong. Yes. It really is. Yeah. It's like... Because that's the whole point. Yeah. Is, it's about being free in the moment. Yeah. It's not about, I've pre-planned this this to say or this yeah. joke or, or trying. It's a different space in your mind, I think, what it is. I think it's a different, rather than, when I'm doing, act, when I'm an actor, it's almost like I have files in my mind. Yeah. And I open up the files at certain times, I go down a certain road. But it's a different place in the mind, improv. Mm-hmm. It's just being free and it's having confidence in yourself that you know where you are maybe safety in the people that you're around as well yeah it's it's scary when you have to improv with people you've never improv before that's why I found the audition on Monday quite difficult Hmm. but I love control (laughs) don't we all yeah (laughs) Um, and I like knowing what's going to happen in my life Mm -hmm. and I feel like improv really does take me out of my comfort zone in a a good way because it's it's you do just have to do whatever is at the top of your head and know that you're around people that are going to forgive you if you make mm-hmm. a mistake and everyone is going to make mistakes. And uh, one of the like key rules or recommendations for improv is like you're trying to make everyone else look good. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, you're creating... It's not improv, it isn't just about you. It's about the scene. And if you're setting someone up for jokes... Mm. then you know that you're going to get that reciprocated. And you know that if you come on and you pretend to be a sentient octopus, that yeah, someone's yeah. going to go, yeah, I'll do that with you. Mm. This this workshop that I went to for improv, the very first time I went there, the guy running it was just like, this is a safe space. This is a safe environment. You are going to be cared for. Everyone in this room is going to look after you. And it and And that's what I found was kind of key to it knowing that it's kind of more about the giving yeah that you're giving to others you're giving to the other performers on the stage mm. and if they do look lost you'll pick them up and you'll bring them back in and yeah that's why yeah. it was it, we're doing improv in an audition scenario mm-hmm. because you've got to find this balance of showing the panel that you can support mm-hmm. but at the same time finding the right moment to shine and do your thing it's like i i'm not a wordsmith particularly i'm not very mm-hmm. quick with that kind of thing but my thing is just physical comedy so it's 
it's it's really nice to be able to be with a group of people and show, oh, look, I can be in this scene and make it a funny scene, but then someone else will support me. if I Like, I think I ended up coming on as a hellhound and speaking in this, like, devilish... <laughs> it's so silly when you talk about improv without any context because you could literally come and do anything, and mm. it's so crazy. So tell me a little <laughs> bit more about that audition. What does an audition look like where where you're asked to... Did you know in advance that improv would be asked of you? Yeah, it was just improv audition. And so I applied and it was to be part of the house teams for mm-hmm. Hoopla, this one. So the structure of it was you get three opportunities to perform. You get a short form, very short form scene. And then you get a slightly longer scene. And then you get um, like a genre and so we had soap opera, but then someone gives you a title as well. So I think it was like soap opera in a hellish fairground or something. Um, so yeah, you do get opportunities to improv, but you know, that's only three, three times that you get to get up there and show what you you can do. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah, it's really difficult trying to be succinct and yeah. clear about what your style is and... Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad it went the way that it did. And, <laughs> and now you're part of the house team. Yeah, I'm really that's, excited. Wonder, that's wonderful. Yeah. So, how long will that last for then? So, September into December, fortnightly. But I think we start in the middle of September and end maybe like two weeks before Christmas. So, you've got a year kind of, you've got the rest of this year kind of mapped out I a bit. Yes, so. It's, which is a really privileged place to be, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? I mean, it's an unpaid. Privileged, lucky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel grateful to mm. have the opportunity to just be on stage. Um, but it's it's unpaid, but mm-hmm. that's doesn't matter to me because this feels like I've I've only just invested in my training for this. So mm-hmm. to be able to reap financially from from it, I always give it like three, four, five years. But actually, saying that, I did my first <laughs> improv job on camera mm-hmm. last year, which was very terrifying because um, I've only improv on stage up until that point, and the director was literally like. We, we had a Zoom call and we discussed what the premise of the scene was going to be. Um, but it was it was promoting uh, a Netflix show and I, I got to improv with two drag queens from RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes, yeah. um, so we, I, I don't know how like dirty we can be on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, 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 is for, this, is for, this is for adults. Okay, this, fine. This, okay, this so the whole, pro- it was promoting sex education. Okay. And the whole premise... Sex education is in the programme. Yeah, the programme. Yes, yeah. And the whole premise is that these drag queens were being um, trained to be sex therapists, like, um, in the show. Mm. And um, so we knew beforehand that what my problems were going to be. So we, we discussed over a Zoom call three kind of problems that could be hilarious to bring to a, a sexual health setting. Um, uh, one of them was like my partner is making horrible noises and it's really just putting me off in the bedroom. The other one was about um, having a really bad gag reflex because that's in the show as well. Mm -hmm. And then the one that we ended up landing on was that I've been using my clit sucker so much that (laughs) I can't come anymore. (laughs) So we knew that this was the premise. Mm -hmm. But when we got there, I just had no idea how improv would work on camera. I thought we'd go back and do pickups like once we'd finished... Rolling, none of that. It was just action, go, half an hour recording, cut, you're done, you have no control. And it's when you're improving on stage, it mm-hmm. disappears. It goes into the ether. Yes, it's yeah. in someone's memory, but like mm-hmm. to have that recorded and you know that Cemented. it's... Cemented. Yeah, and it was, mm-hmm. they'd done a couple of these 
you know, formats before to promote other Netflix shows. And I thought, oh no, this is going to go semi-viral, if anything. At least I think it's got like 500,000 views at the moment on YouTube. That's enough people to, yeah. to, hear, to hear you talk about <laughs> I know. I was like, sex education. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be heard about. So I really yeah. did not want to and friends and fa- And friends and family are going to see things like yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah. within within acting, there is a there is a huge vulnerability that you have mm. to give. How does that feel? Giving that that you've 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 allowed yourself to be expressive and creative, and some people may judge you. Yeah. For that. Yeah, I think it's really interesting being an actor and being a people pleaser because uh, you you have this dichotomy of I need to let go I need to not care about what anyone thinks about me I need to be truthful to this character and then at the same time like I've very much from a young age I'm working through this and always will be working through this Mm -hmm. but I've always wanted as many people to like me as possible of course and it's not possible but Mm I am I've found something really useful recently um, which is instead of doing affirmations I do ladder thoughts so have you ever heard of Land of Thoughts before? No. So, um, it's, so it's like if you were standing in a mirror and you you said to yourself, I'm a Martian, I'm from Mars. You're not going to believe it because you are not a Martian and you're not from, like, you're never going to believe it. So if, if you change that affirmation to a neutral thought that you can believe, I use like the body image thing because I think it's useful and it's quite transferable. But if, if you're someone that struggles with like body image issues... You can, instead of looking in the mirror and saying, I am beautiful, I am gorgeous, I, I'm sexy, whatever. You can, you you know, and your negative thought is, I'm disgusting, nobody loves me. Um, the neutral thought that you absolutely can believe is that is a human leg or that is a human tummy. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where you start. And you just say that to yourself in the mirror for however long it takes until you're like, okay, I could start laddering this up to the, the positive mm-hmm. thoughts and the next step could be that's a human face that somebody might find attractive like you can believe that mm-hmm. and then you can you can apply that to any kind of thinking so you it's can like taking it performance. Mic- micro steps towards towards a better way of thinking yeah rather I, than i am amazing yeah. i am great it's no it's yeah it, i've always struggled with affirmations because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't feel like it works for some people because sometimes when people say that and they do actually believe those statements, of course mm-hmm. it's going to have an emotional effect on you. And you you know affirmations work for you if you notice a change within yourself. But if you're saying affirmations and you're like, this is not working for me, I've found ladder thoughts very useful. Can I plug mm-hmm. another podcast about? Of course you can. <gasps> very exciting. <laughs> um, so I listen to Rebecca Orr coaching and she has a podcast called manage your relationship mind drama which applies to these ladder thoughts to um relationship setting but i also listen to on um f-u-c-k your brain mm-hmm. um by cara lowenthal and she also talks about ladder thoughts but in a more business setting which you can apply to pretty much any kind of career which i find really useful for acting and stuff but yeah when you say about vulnerability I really feel like half of my process is getting myself to a place where I feel like I am not have not got imposter syndrome and mm. I believe that I should be there. So, you know, when I'm doing a job and I've got to be in a really vulnerable place, the first thing I check in with is my brain. For some people, that's not where they go first. It might be their body or mm. their voice. Immediately, it's my brain. 
I've got to sort that out first, otherwise everything else will just fall apart. <laughs> and so you go to the to the ladder thoughts. Yeah, mm-hmm. ladder thoughts and you know, just unpacking every thought because you know, sometimes I do analyse my thoughts a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. No. Um yeah, it's just it's getting to a place of I I am here because somebody cast me because they liked my tape, because they believe I can bring this character to life. Mm-hmm. And you know, saying I am with a group of people that want to make this project the best that it can be. Therefore, my vulnerability is going to be valued in this scenario. And and just getting yourself to a place where you know that you can be vulnerable because everyone here has a shared goal, has a shared aim. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not that I'm being vulnerable and I'm not going to be looked after. But also, to some respect, you can be on a job and you're not going to get looked after like emotionally in that sense. You've got got to find ways that you can be there for yourself and and ways that you can look after yourself. If if you're in like a bad way on set, you know that I I can show up for myself. I trust that I'm going to look at my brain and myself from a place of curiosity Mm because I feel like a lot of the time when people are in a bad way, then they immediately get judgmental Mm. themselves and go to oh why am I like this why is my brain doing this rather than going it's okay I have compassion for you and it's gonna be all right if you just take take a breath just feel what you're feeling and we can you know re just look at it from a different angle or a different lens Mm -hmm. yeah I found that very useful and you do have to look after yourself as you go into a professional job I, I think there's a would you say that well what would you say? Would you say there's a preconceived idea of what it's going to be like on a film set or a TV set? Or in a, in a, in a, if you're in a theatre production, that it's going to be all glitz and glam and ev- everything's going to be shiny and perfect? Well, I think it, it, it's so varied because, like, obviously, if you're doing an unpaid short film... But I say this, one of my favourite jobs that I did last year was unpaid. Mm-hmm. And it's because I did an R&D with some women about two years prior... And um, I just knew that we had like such a lovely connection and the way that we worked together worked really well. And when we were on set, it wasn't glitz and glam. I have one of those like pop-up stalls that I'd borrowed from my partner that you can like, it was muddy, it was freezing yeah. cold. But the, I always say if if the director is like warm and you know, just wants you all to have a, a nice time, then that filters down through every department. Mm-hmm. And if you're on a place where there's tension and like, you know, we all have bad days, but I honestly feel like the most nurtured I feel on set is when I feel emotionally nurtured rather than physically nurtured. Like, I don't care if I've got a trailer to sit in or if I have to sit on the ground. Like, mm-hmm. if if I feel like the people there really you know want me to be there and I feel like there's a real connection that we have and we're making something amazing it doesn't matter to me I guess it's the the community of the production that you're working on what does that feel like is that a space you want to be in yeah exactly and I've been in some independent films where that environment hasn't felt good at all Mm. and you wake up every day and you're like is this really what I want to be doing? Especially when it's like a yeah. smaller budget thing. Smaller budget, and like you say, on a lot of a lot of work that you'll do as an actor is unpaid. Yeah. Um, the majority, I'd I'd say, the majority of my past twenty years' experience has been unpaid mm-hmm. work. Um, and then you're getting up and to 
creating this thing with a group of people and there's tension over something that's got nothing to do with you but it's just the vibe isn't yeah. isn't right i have found more than often that unpaid stuff is the the stuff with the better vibes actually yes, yeah. the more mm. but that's obviously a general sweeping statement but um mm. yeah it's it's interesting how it it does affect the mood of how you work because it, it's a machine you're all working together and you mm -hmm. know no department is more important the other than the other because if we didn't have one of them then it just wouldn't work the rest falls apart <laughs> yeah. and it's interesting that we've talked a few times about paid and unpaid work as an actor what value do we put on paid why do we feel we have to justify whether a job that we did was paid yeah yeah that's really interesting you say that actually um and i always tend to preface when I'm talking about a job whether it's, whether it's paid, paid or, or not paid. yes yeah um I don't know why because you probably put the yeah. same effort in you probably yeah. put the same care and attention into it yeah but yet I feel I feel like it's going out into society and saying I did this as a job yeah uh, I'm contributing in some way because I got paid yeah and I also feel like it's going Okay, I am getting paid for my work now, but I still do do um do do unpaid <laughs> work. Um, and I feel like I I went for a phase about four years ago where I was like, "That's it, I'm not doing any more unpaid work. I'm not doing it." And then I was like, "Check yourself, Boo! Like, what are you doing?" <laughs> because some of the scripts that you've read are mm -hmm. being written by people who don't have budgets. But if you're how what kind of opportunities am I blocking myself from yes, yeah. when when I have a mindset like that? I'm really glad I got out of that because yeah. it well, it's even <laughs> even um, Josh Brolin. I was watching an interview with him the other day. He played he played Thanos in Avengers yeah. and lots of you know he's a very big actor, Josh Brolin. Um, but when he did uh, No Country for Old Men, he didn't get paid a penny. What? Not a penny because it was an opportunity to him. I did not know yeah. that. Yeah, and it was a it was a low budget. For, it was fairly, it was still a quite a big yeah. Hollywood film, but it, the budget was still quite tight. And they'd spent most of the budget on the yeah. other actors. And this part became available, but was told basically, yeah, it, it's unpaid. Do you want to do it as an opportunity? And at that time, he was living in his car yeah. and broke. And he did that. And if he hadn't have done that, then he wouldn't have got all the subsequent films, yeah. films that followed. It's that credit. That's yeah, so he gave up six months of his time to do a part that led to uh, to other things. Yeah. And yeah. even the, yeah, even, and he's connected. He's someone that, uh, is in, um, his stepmom is Barbara Streisand, isn't it? Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, so that's he's he's someone that's fully connected yeah. and immersed in, in the industry through family. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he still had to take opportunities yeah. where they come up. So yeah. people that are not connected, people that haven't got those a foot in the door mm. you know we definitely have to go why do i want to do this project is it is it to do with the money like because we all need money don't we yeah <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> we, we have to pay rent we have to eat we, we want cars and holidays <laughs> and all of that stuff but yeah what value are we putting on our our art exactly i think it, it, you can't really put a value on art because mm. it just makes no sense to me the the work that I got paid most for last year was the work that I hated the most. I'm not going to say what job it was, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was it was for a commercial, and it just felt very clinical and capitalist. And I was just like, ah, 
I hate this. But um And that tends to be what commercials are. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's the the side of acting that we, we do. That's one of the jobs that does pay. Yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, I feel so grateful to have been in an opportunity where I can get paid to do what I mm-hmm. love. But at the same time, I, I I came back from it and I was like, I'm allowed to give myself space to acknowledge that I didn't particularly enjoy that mm-hmm. because then it, I can take that for the future and go, okay, I don't necessarily want to do any presenting orientated jobs. But, you know, just I think in this career and just in life in general, black and white thinking is restrictive Mm -hmm. and allowing yourself to feel everything is really important. Yeah, Yeah. feeling your way through and discovering who you are as as an actor. Yeah. Because, yeah, I I think there's an expectation as an an actor can do all of it. Mm. If you're an actor, you can sing as well, you can dance as well, you can be a stand-up comedian as well, you can be a presenter as well. Yeah, well, this is one of the things that I had to decide what I was doing very early on I I remember my previous agent he said to me I know you can act and you can dance and I I can sing I have this thing with singing though where if I'm playing a character I can sing fine it's a confidence Mm. issue but if you ask me to do karaoke no chance (laughs) um but he said to me what do you really want to focus on because you can come into this as a triple threat, but just know that when, once you're building up your credits, you're going to have to really focus on being like a more musical theatre orientated mm-hmm. performer. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I know I want to be an actor. Like a, And I started to get some comedy roles and then I was like, okay. I, it's difficult because as actors, we, we are versatile. It's the nature of the job. Mm-hmm. But when we're first starting out or trying to build up our credits, what can be beneficial is pigeonholing yourself to an extent to get the credits that Mm -hmm. you you know the bigger credits that will benefit your cv and jobs in the future and then you can do the versatile hey look at me experimenting with this character on more lower paid stuff or you know because they're it just feels like those opportunities are potentially um they come along a a bit more Mm -hmm. and you don't have to so i've lost my point (laughs) <laughs> the, the journey of the reason why we structure what we're choosing or yeah. what we're doing yeah um and yeah and that's, that's that's really interesting that so you're in a point of your career where you're a fully working actor seeking acting work yeah you're fully committed to to that at this point mm-hmm. in your life yeah, I is that am. right? That's, that's what right. that's what I look at you and yeah. I and I see. I, look, I had a look at your spotlight and what you're doing, and you've got you're, you are building those good credits yeah. up there. You're presenting yourself as an actor, mm. um, and and that's the impression that you give. That's that's the direction and the yeah, drive. Yeah, that that's you're why going I, when I said at the beginning, I'm like I'm an actor who can dance. It's like mm-hmm. I'm a good dancer. I, I I can dance, but it it's it's about being focused and from a business perspective, going, this is my product, this is how I'm going to market it, and this is what I'm going to show to the world. Mm -hmm. But but at the same time, allowing your personality and your hobbies and your special flair to combine with this package that you've got, because you are, you are your brand. So Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, I think it's really interesting to think about it that way. And also find that, thinking about my career in a more business from a business perspective removes a lot of the pain and anguish of oh I'm rejected because you know we all really struggle with rejection at the beginning and I think Mm. you know now and again 
I do still struggle with rejection because you, when you're doing a part, you fully immerse yourself in that character and you imagine yourself being that character. Mm-hmm. And then you, if you don't get the job, you have to leave it. But I, I've started allowing myself now one day one day I'm allowed to be sad and yes, I really yeah. allow myself to be sad about it and then I let it go. I'm not allowed yeah, to think is, about it It again. is hard, especially <laughs> if you get... I, I feel for me, I can go to one audition or do a self-tape and not think too much of it past that. But it gets harder when you know that there's a consideration on you. Mm. It gets mm. hard for me when you start going to that, that callback or that, that read-through or... Um, this isn't acting... But one of the last big auditions that I did just pre just pre COVID, um, I did an audition for the pre- the Apprentice. <gasps> fun. No. Oh really? No. No, <laughs> no it was not fun what at all. What was the audition process like? For um, so first of all, you uh, I I always I always saw myself as as an actor, but also I've done like quite a few entrepreneurial type type things type type uh i've set up a few businesses over the years and i've always seen myself as a bit of an entrepreneur and i'll try things out and give things a go and i'm always coming up with ideas um and i thought yeah i've got a fantastic business idea that would just rock it on the apprentice and i've watched it every year and been like i could do so much better than these guys with what i do and i was going to start my own theater company um with the apprentice and use that as like a launch pad and it started out the first stage is filling out the application form and the application form is quite intense because it wants you to fill out a full business plan have you have you ever watched it i have watched the apprentice i used to watch it with my mum yeah so you know that staged quite quite near to the end where they sit them down and they go through their business yeah with the final is it final three or so the final three yeah that's you see how unfair that is if you've been in the process right because you do that before you've even stepped in the room yeah you do that at home like the day before you're going to the audition. Mm-hmm. So you're really just like, you're just like, you know, throwing your thoughts onto a page. Um, and there isn't the time to really, you know, you haven't got like six months to work on this. It is the night before that you're putting this business plan together. And then you take the business plan there. There's one you queue up. I think the day that I went there, there was like a thousand people there. How long ago was this? Was this, was the, this was the year before COVID. Okay. And the se- season that I was auditioning for got cancelled. Oh, I see. For right. COVID. Yeah. So there was kind of like, that kind of softened the blow how yeah. I felt. But yeah, I went to, to this audition this day and um, queued up and they did things like they'd, they'd, they'd had a quick look at our thing and they'd look at us and they'd put us in a line and they'd go, right, you stand at that end if you think you're going to win The Apprentice. And the ones that think they're going to lose The Apprentice stand at that oh, end. Oh, that is brutal. And, and so everyone's having like a look at each other. And no one knows. Mm. We, we haven't spoken to it. So we're just purely going on look um, and a brief, in, very brief introduction. And then the ones that were like, some people like hiding in the middle and things. Um, and then you had some people on the ends, and the ones that were in the middle, they went, "All right, see you later, bye, you're gone." This is like the traitors. Have you it, seen it the is, traitors? It is. It is very because I is saw this on the game. I saw this. I saw the traitors recently. I've only just recently started watching. Yeah. That. And I yeah. saw that bit, and I was like, "That's what they did." In, you, I bet you it's the same production company, yeah, and they've gone right. We're going to take the bit we do on the audition, and yeah. we're going to show people Let's because give then, them some trauma. It, it is. It is. And then you see people just like. 
what the fuck did I do wrong? Oh, that's so, so <laughs> yeah. brutal. And then there was a, and then so I got through that stage because I obviously was like confident and was like, yeah, I'm going to win this. Yeah. <laughs> so I got through that stage. Just out of curiosity, where did you stand? I line? stood towards the yeah. end, towards where I was like, yeah, I can be one of the winners. Mm-hmm. I know this program. Yeah. I know how to play this. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to win this. I've come here for a reason, you know. Um, and then the next stage was going to a room and be like put on the spot and be interviewed and yeah. got some really, really random questions that weren't anything to do. It was almost like, how far can I embarrass myself? Oh, no. And it was improvisation stuff as well, which yeah. I, at the time I wasn't keen on. And it was, yeah, it was essentially like how, how much prepared are you? Yeah. Can you embarrass yourself? And I got through that bit. Oh, the, so one the, of the questions was, can you embarrass yourself? No, 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 it wasn't a question, can you embarrass yourself? It was kind of like, it was questions more about my personality. Right. Um, and um, what do I think of the other people in the room? And do I fancy anyone in the room? And things like that. This and sounds insane. Yeah. And then again, I see that they take those bits and they show some of those bits on TV, don't they? they yeah. show, and I'm, just like, I'm just there the whole time thinking. They're this, just... They're looking. just manipulating people yeah. and using people. They're looking for that bit of drama that they can use. If I've written down, it. I fancy someone. I fa- you've got a better chance. You got a bit of drama, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was like, how mm. much drama are you going to bring to this? Not mm-hmm. are you a valued business person? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you can completely see that in the show with how many losers they get on. Do you know when I say losers, I mean people that are clueless. Right, I see. Do you know like p- the people on the show? Like they just haven't got a clue about business. But it, you forget it's entertainment, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I haven't watched it in a long, long while, so I don't think I could give like a, a value structured <laughs> no, opinion. You, you, do get, you do get some people that are good, but you can see why people have been picked. It's right, just for that drama. Yeah. Um, and anyway, I got, I got, I went away that day and got a call back to come back to another day. So I'm like, yes, yes, I'm doing, I'm doing right, this. Yeah. And then, and then went back for another day, and they put us in like these groups of like ten people to do like this task of put, building a building a house out of these shapes like these big foam shapes and I can tell I could tell that the room was just full of personalities right, like yeah. how loud and big can I be and I got sent home like quite early on it like 15 minutes into the day because yeah. I feel like it's because I wasn't being loud and I, I felt like a personality assassination had gone on yeah like it really did that can be that sounds very invasive anyway. Mm. And I came away and I was walking through London and I remember it just chucking it down with rain, just like, you know, when it's just hammering it Pathetic down. And I'm, fallacy. Yeah, and I'm, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm wearing a suit. I did myself up. I was pumped that day as well. Like, I've been listening to Eminem on the train, like, oh <laughs> one shot, like, like, all the way on the train and just, yeah, coming away like, like that, that thing has gone. Yeah. That I could see a future. I could see a path that was going down and just taken from you gone in an instant yeah. I'm not good enough and yeah. that's what I came away I was like I'm not good enough like shit <laughs> yeah and then I was like no it was nothing to do with me yeah I just didn't I just wasn't right for them yeah they're just looking for a formula or a certain you know it's certain type quite often it's nothing to do with you no no but it's very difficult because in that scenario it kind of is mm. about you but you're still a valuable human being. Though. Yes, and that's what I felt like. <laughs> and it was some. It was the rain as well that yeah, was just hammering down. That's brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. just like uh, this. That was like a, a moment I'll bring up in my book. Yeah, <laughs> have you written a book? No, when I write a oh, book, good, or, you know, when I, when, I, when, I, when I when I get to the end, yeah. you know, my biography. When I look back, I'll, oh, <laughs> I'll be brilliant. like, that was definitely a a a, a, a making of moment. Mm. Um, 
But then like a few months later, COVID happened yeah. and everything was shut. The world stopped anyway. So even if I had have gone further on that path, yeah. I think well, it would have never happened. Yeah, it's, I always try and think that everything that's meant for you will come to you. And if, if you have imagined yourself in this incredible opportunity that you really wanted and you see mm. somebody else get it, it's so easy to just look at them and be like, what do they have that I don't? But it, it takes time to, you know, sit in yourself and know I I am valuable in myself. And I just didn't, it just wasn't the right time. It could have mm. been that I was the wrong height or the wrong, you know, I might have said a word in a funny way. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You just don't know. And like yeah. try and agonise it. They might have chosen the person earlier on that day already yeah. before you walked in the room. Yeah, you or know. you might look like their ex or something, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? And they might just get a funny vibe from you. But you've only got, you know, sometimes 10, 15 minutes to sh- put yourself on a plate in front of someone and say, do you want what I have to offer? Mm-hmm. And if you sit there afterwards and try, a pick a pu- try and pick apart what went wrong, then you just it's just going to agonise yourself. I remember calling my agent after an audition last year. And I was like, Andre, that's the worst audition I've ever done in my entire life. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get this job. And I was kind of, I was just disappointed in myself because I, I thought that I actually behaved badly in the room, not just right. like performed badly, but I thought my behavior wasn't necessarily something that I would be proud of. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's not going to happen. And then he called me the next day. I was like, you've got a call back. And then I ended up booking it as a COVID cover, but I got flown out to Sofia in Bulgaria to stay in a hotel for three days. And then they did a COVID test on the main person. They were like, okay, boo, you can go home because she's not got COVID. So I got a little free holiday for the worst audition of my life. But you'll never know. You'll never know where these opportunities are going to go. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy. So what I wanted to find out, where did this... Where did this kind of path start for you before you started out on this this career? Why have you why have you got into this? So my parents used to do Amdram when they were younger. I think you actually know my parents. I know, yeah, I know. Yeah, your Laura mom, and yeah. Stuart. Um, do you know my dad as well? I know. I, I I don't know your dad. I know of your dad. Yeah. Um, and we've got a lot of mutual friends. Yeah, but my mum said but in the car on the way here, she was like, oh, "I used to teach Laura." She used to teach my sister yeah. at, school at school and. M- was it one of one of my first plays that I was in? Very early on of doing like Playhouse Young People's Theatre. She was a stage, your, your mum was a stage yeah. manager. Was this at West, on West Side West Side Story, Story yes. Yeah. yeah, so that was like yeah, in my said. early days. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, they used to do that when they were younger, but they weren't like pushy parents. And also mm. they divorced when I was six. So it was kind of this thing of like the finances were split and they didn't put me in any classes I kind of like, they did put me in a ballet class when I was like three mm-hmm. and I screamed and cried and like <laughs> didn't want to be there. Um, but then when I got to secondary school, I I think actually it was the year six play. I did the year six play and I played Cinderella and it was the first thing I'd ever like kind of done. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, that's a lie. I did do like a bit of the playhouse when I was younger, but it was like a cameo role in Once on This Island. So you had these parents who yeah. had like, a, they had the arts within them. Because your mum's a drama teacher, isn't she? Yeah, well, she's retired now. Yeah. But she used to be, she was head of drama and dance mm-hmm. at um, local secondary school. Um, so you saw that as a, that was a kind of a way of living, well, having yeah, the... Yeah, but also, the... like, I didn't really see that because no? because my mum and dad were separated. I had this kind of, like, 
all fantasizing dream story about how they met when they were doing Greece and my mum was playing Sandy and my dad was playing Danny and I I'd fantasized about that like my whole life and it seemed very romantic to me mm-hmm. and actually last Christmas my mum got me the most amazing Christmas present she found the VHS tape up in the loft and got it transferred to USB mm-hmm. and me and my brother well not so much my brother but I literally sat there watched the whole thing and sobbed <laughs> I was just like this is our origin story Max this is crazy <laughs> but that I think you know, I, I saw my mum's plays when she was doing plays at secondary school and was just fascinated because, you know, even though they were the secondary school plays, if it's one of the first bits of theatre that you've really seen, it's mm-hmm. just magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and she used to come up with like insane, crazy stuff, but so beautiful because she used to dream about it and then just put it on the stage. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I feel like they inspired me like very indirectly. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to secondary school is when I went to um, Livewire, which was like a local community free thing at the time, which was great because mum didn't have to pay for anything. I think it was nice to establish that I really liked it first mm-hmm. before having to go somewhere to and invest, pay in yeah. full. Yeah. And so it's a wonderful really thing that Livewire do that they open up they open up drama to kids and yeah. families and that, that may not be able to afford it. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. if that if I hadn't gone to Livewire, I've actually I don't got know. Sam who runs Livewire. He's he's coming on. He's coming on in a few episodes. Stop time. it! Yeah. Hi, Sam. Yeah. Oh, that's very fun. Yeah. That's very no, fun. I do think what he does is an amazing thing. That, yeah. that he that he opens up drama to yeah to everyone. Yeah, you know. I mean, we we used to do our Livewire shows here. Mm. Yeah, very fun. Yeah. those days. So, what is it? You say your your mum and dad was an inspiration. What is it they did that inspired you then? I think just seeing my mum be very creative at work and she's just put in so many extra hours and you know my my dad I didn't really see him do any drama until we did Annie and he he went along and I think he wanted to get the part of Rooster and ended up getting Daddy Warbucks and he was absolutely pooping his pants he was (laughs) so scared because he obviously hadn't performed in a very long time and because I hadn't really seen him do much he did that and I was like who are That's you? really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I came to see him. He did Jerusalem here. Yeah, I and I cried. I was like, oh, wow. Because, you know, when you're very passionate about something mm-hmm. and I have this like passion for drama and acting and performing arts and I know where it comes from. But to see it in action was like, oh, I think it, it's nice because they weren't like pushy parents you must go you must do this you will follow in our footsteps if anything because they didn't pursue acting like professionally I obviously my mum did um teaching at secondary but she was a primary school teacher first so because they didn't do that I just had like such overwhelming support from them it was my mum used to say no plan b no plan b do your a level just go for it and I honestly I'm so grateful for that because it put me in a position, you know, I, I, we've not come from a very good financial background, but that stable, like, I'm here to support you is invaluable. Mm-hmm. So It sounds like it gave you a solid foundation. Yeah, for sure. Oh. And also, like, knowing that someone really believes in you is a privilege. Because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, you know, who don't have that support from their parents or their parents want them to go into a more academic career and it must be so hard feeling like you can't do what you love Mm -hmm. you can't be you yeah yeah Yeah. I I hear that a lot I heard that so my my daughter's into to music she's like 
like music is her life. Music has changed her life. It's she's found who she is within mm. that, and I'm and I'm so happy about How that. How old is she? She's fifteen. Yeah. Um, and she plays a guitar, and she's in a band, and she's just yeah, she's just got, like her life is going to be music now, like, and that that's wonderful. Um, but she's got a friend at school that very much wants to be a drummer. Um, but yeah, the parents are like, no, that's you don't do that. You do science. Yeah. You do maths. <laughs> yeah. um, and that kid's not going to get get that opportunity to to be themselves. Yeah. Um, I think I, th- I think going back to that thing of valuing the money. Yeah. Is I think too many people go right. There's no career for you in that. Or if there is a career, it's going to be very very difficult or mm. hard. Whereas, yeah, you need you need that. I guess it's the hope that you can have stability yeah. in your life yeah. through doing a normal job. My um my partner's dad, he used to be a drummer in a local band. They used mm-hmm. to play at um the square, real by real. Okay. I don't know another band, but anyway, <laughs> um, and he was amazing, and they, they probably would have gone on to be very successful. But you mm. know, he he ended up um, not doing that, and he went into accounting. But then the other day, I was around my partner's house, and you know, my partner's dad started playing their old records, and I was just like, "This is it, I just people? love seeing the the <laughs> side of people that you never get to see." Mm-hmm. It's really, it's beautiful. I got a little bit emotional, actually. I didn't tell Tim, but (laughs) he'll know now. (laughs) He'll know now if he watches it. But yeah, and I I think it's really important that there are more than one side to us. Yeah. That that maybe we don't make it to stardom and fame, but yet it's still part of us. Yeah, it's what I think about my improv class. Like Mm -hmm. when I did my um, level three course, I was the only actor there, but everyone else kind of had non-creative jobs and then they came to this improv class and I was blown away and I thought well, you could do this as a career about a lot of them and it's just fascinating like there is so much creative potential in the world and it really makes me very happy to just see those glimpses everywhere you look mm-hmm. yeah and I'm seeing that we're doing this podcast as well talking to all these different people in all these different creative lives and I'm, I'm just seeing how much value it brings to people mm. and how how yeah and that value is valued yeah <laughs> and is important in so many all. deep and complex ways mm. yeah yeah and I, and I and i and i worry that society wants to kind of drag it out of people and to, mm. to crush it yeah especially with funding and schools and things mm-hmm. how do how do you mm. feel about that recently there was a thing i think it was suffolk county council They've just like completely cut all arts funding 100%. Yeah, it's just not good enough. It's not good enough. Our life is so much about creativity mm-hmm. and being alive is about, you know, you're a piece of art. I wrote a poem actually last year mm. about um, how you could walk out of the house And someone could write a poem about you. Because I wrote a poem about this woman that I was sat next to on the train. Mm. And... um, Do you remember it? I've got it on my phone. Have you? Yeah. Will you share it? Yeah, I will. Should I stop? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's pause for a moment. My friend's over there. Pause. Yeah, we'll pause for a moment. I'd love to hear it. But uh, just to... I'll I'll talk about this when I get back. Okay, let's have a pause. Careful of the wire. Rating? I don't know. Okay. 
Yeah. Well, how <laughs> is this an S? Is this a, an examination now? No, <laughs> as in gonna, like <laughs> it's not a grade I, A. I'm not sure if it's rated PG. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you meant like. <laughs> okay. Um. Right. Let me put my phone on. It's on sleep. Well, we've given the war. If anyone's listening, right. In, listen. Turn off if you don't want to hear. If anything. you're easily offended. Yeah. Well, I'm very open about that kind of thing. Anyway, so um. It might be on my Instagram, actually. It's also interesting, going back to my to my daughter, yeah. I've always said that art is a, an expressionist form. And even when she was young, I was very open to her listening to, to music that was not necessarily of her age rating because I wanted her to understand that, yeah, art is an expression. And within that, we're going to talk about things that of what the world looks like. And maybe we don't need to be so fearful of were particularly yeah. the offensive words yeah we maybe we're too easily offended these days maybe, maybe we are. anyway <laughs> anyway here's your, here's your poem so um, this um, poem is called perfume pick me okay i'm gonna be quiet okay i thought i wore niche perfume but this suit on the train is my aroma twin i think i was a bloodhound in a past life if there's a weird whiff i'll pinpoint it in time newborn puppies are unchanged pads <laughs> Brewery malt is barbecue hula hoops. Jasmine is sex for us, but poo for you. The nose is a cabinet and molecules in the air are filled into the grey matter. My lockdown mist makes me well up still. A spritz of liquid rose before alone time feels divinely feminine in the moment. But now I'm thinking of my ex-romp switch on the crammed central line. Thanks, Aroma Twin. I wonder if AT smells roses and thinks of sitting at work desk. Aroma Twin made a poem when they left the door. Isn't it nice knowing that maybe you are a poem today too? You fucking piece of art, you. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thanks. Wonderful. That, that, just, that just says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, oh, that was yeah. terrifying. I've never read one of my poems before. <laughs> well, again, we're going back to that place of vulnerability, aren't yeah. we? Thank you for being vulnerable. No, you're, you're welcome. Thank and, you for... Uh, I hope you feel like this is a safe space to, mm. to share that. That was um, Absolutely. And how else do we put it out into the world? Um, art or creativity? Can, yeah, creativity. If we're not, if, if yeah, we're not exactly. vulnerable. If we're not, then... Then it, then it stays on your phone and, and disappears Yeah, I mean, I did ether. actually post that one on my Instagram story, but, mm-hmm. you know, people can flip past it. But um, I, I started doing poetry when I was feeling sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I felt like I, I had words that were complex and giving me an existential crisis and I just needed to like put them down on paper so it's it's an outlet it's it's our art is just letting go and creativity and being vulnerable I think it's so important mm-hmm. it's so so important so it's important for you but it's also important for the the person that's listening or reading as well yeah I think so there's, there's, think I'm so. sure there's one other person that will that will connect to that. Well, yeah, it's like, it's like when I came here this morning, mm-hmm. I was doing my ladder thoughts. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, there might be one person that will listen to this mm-hmm. and find value in something that I say. Yeah. And that, I can believe that. Yeah. And even if that, and uh, even if that person is me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, doesn't like, I think we get too caught up in the, especially with the way social media is like, how many, how many views am I getting? Mm. How many likes am I getting? Mm. But there might just be one person out there that's quiet that goes with one moment. Oh, actually, that can help me. Yeah, and the whole purpose of mm. art, if you boil down, is to create opinions. Like, mm-hmm. what's not the purpose of it? It's for us to enjoy. But art does its job when it gets you thinking and when it gets you talking. And, you know, the whole point is that some people are not going to like that. And that's okay. And it's 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 
coming and accepting that. It's like, I'm, I may pour my energy into this thing, mm-hmm. but not everyone is going to like it. It's like, if you take a peach, a peach might be the most lovely fruit on the earth to somebody, but somebody out there hates peaches. And it's, it's the same with everything else in this world. Everything that you can touch, everything that you can see, everything that you can hear, everything you can smell. Someone probably hates it somewhere. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. So, so what's uh, what's next for you then? Apart, we, we know about the improv. So, where yeah. else? Are you, where else are you going? Where Where's Boo Miller going next? I'm really focusing on the comedy stuff because I enjoy it so much, mm-hmm. um, and it's mostly what you know occupies my CV. But I, I do do dramatic acting and can do it. But mm-hmm. like you say, I I'm just kind of going down that route because I know I enjoy it so much, and I know I get cast in those kind of things. So. I had my headshots redone on Tuesday, which is exciting. God, just waiting That's for those to come fresh, back. That's always a fresh start, yeah. isn't it, when you get new headshots? Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. Um, and then I've got something exciting coming out in May. I can't say what it is yet, but I can't wait to share that. And I'm hoping that having that credit on my CV and my new headshots will, you know, lead to something. Give you a boost. Yeah, mm-hmm. and everything is so last minute after COVID, where I just feel like you used to have a lot more length in the audition process. But now you can hear about an audition the day before it's due, and mm-hmm. then you can hear about a job the day before. So I, whenever there's not like job or auditions in the pipeline, I'm like, I, I have this thing where I, I know, I, I'm not going to swear, but it's big effing action. Mm-hmm. I saw her earlier anyway. So, <laughs> uh, and the, you've got to take control of what you can take control of. So I know that I can go home and I can do my admin for my acting. And I really, I've really come to love and enjoy the business side and the admin side of my career. And I feel like it's so important because it makes me feel like I have agency. And I can know that I can go home and do something that will benefit my acting career, mm-hmm. even if it's not going to an audition or filming a self-tape or because you know when you're making goals at the beginning of the year if you make a goal like I want to be booked on uh, you know as a series regular on this show it's so out of your control Mm -hmm. and you've got to take control of the the things that you can take control of so it's like I have spreadsheets for everything I have spreadsheets for what casting directors I've seen when I last saw them, whether I got a recall, and then in six months' time, or whenever that thing might have come out, I'll go back and I'll look at who got cast in the end. Mm -hmm. And then I know, okay, was I close, or were they just completely looking for something else? So you're being very strategic about it. I'm very strategic and very Mm -hmm. analytical, but I've always been quite... In school, I was really into um, academics, and I did quite well in school. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like I haven't naturally like intellectual leaning brain anyway so using those skills that I have feels very beneficial to me anyway because I can angle what I'm doing and just feel like I have my handles on it somehow some (laughs) some control and that was one of the things that I I pursued acting for 15 20 years as as very much like yeah I'm doing this 100% I'm doing this but that was the biggest frustration for me is that not having control mm. and waiting for someone else to say yes. Yeah. Giving my life to to people I don't know and not connected to and yeah and waiting for them to accept me yeah. accept me in. Yeah. And that for me after 20 years was was kind of too much. 
it was like no I've got to do something different mm. now I've got to kind of reinvent myself in a in a new way and um how do you feel about that about being open to that waiting for someone to say yes it's I feel kind of peace with it and I didn't mm-hmm. five years ago and I feel like that peace comes from knowing that I can go and create something with my partner or like we actually we're really interested in doing a new concept this year and I've never made anything with my partner before he works behind camera okay. but we have this kind of oh sorry bump the <laughs> microphone we have this thing where he does his job I do my job and it's nice because we're in the same industry but so you've got we a know connection what to talk about but mm-hmm. it, we're not on top of each other about it and I, I remember we did um like our A-level final piece together and we just didn't work together very well. We're not like this power couple that works together all the time because, you know, we don't necessarily work in that way. Um, But this year, I really want to try and do a Shakespeare monologue with him. Mm -hmm. Um, Film it. Copyright. Copyright. (laughs) (laughs) We want to do the Taming of the Shrew monologue at the end with Kate. Mm -hmm. And I want to do it on a pole because I pole dance as well. Okay. And the the monologue is all about feminism and um, bowing to your husband. And Kate goes through the play and she's... um, You kind of don't know whether she's submitting or not or in the end where it's all for show. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it would be a really interesting, fun thing to do. So we're going to do that this year and we're going to plan it. Get those ideas out and create... Get those ideas out because Mm -hmm. if if I'm waiting for all these people to say yes to me and I'm not, you know, taking control and doing my own thing and, yeah, honestly, it stems back to control. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I just try and latch onto it wherever I can because it's it's sparse in mm-hmm. this in this industry <laughs> uh, it's it's interesting because I, I i wanted to having someone been in, been doing acting for a long time i kind of wanted to give you advice and what you've said you're going to do is exactly the vi- advice i was going to give make sure that you're creating yeah make sure that you are doing your own thing yeah even if that is just yeah doing a monologue on a on a camera and filming filming that mm-hmm. it's so important to to create and yeah. do your art and not sure not wait. love it make sure you still love it and don't don't yeah don't wait there is going to be an element of that of asking to be part of other people's things but essentially you've got to carry on doing Mm -hmm. doing you for you so i think that's a nice place to to wrap this up it does i don't know how long Um, we've been doing this no i don't either it's been it's been really yeah it's been it's been really nice having you here having this conversation i really appreciate you oh thank you you're jumping in and being part of it i was really nervous but that was great no there's nothing to to be well you were nervous that's genuine but yeah it's you know it's just a conversation isn't it and um yeah i think you've got you've you've had an incredible journey and i see you going to some incredible places next if you keep this mindset Keep doing what you're doing, and I think you'll go really far. Oh, thank you, Martin. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> um, I, th- I feel I wonder if uh, looking as you look back on this, um, is there anything that you would like to to say to to your future self that that has continued on the journey? Have you got any? Don't stop. <laughs> um, well, not even that. It's. Um just do what you're feeling in the moment it, like if, if you're if you're feeling burnt out have a break and just check in with yourself um 
Don't forget to like and subscribe.